Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning into Add and Collect. Today we have with us a very special guest who I'm really excited to talk to. Michelle is a career coach and consultant currently on a mission to get more women of color professionals into the field of technology. Michelle herself started her career at Amazon working at its Seattle headquarters as a risk analyst and then as a workflow analyst and finally transitioning into a program manager role at AWS. She spent about 5 years at Amazon before switching gears completely to become a full-time career consultant focused towards diversifying the face of tech. In this episode, Michelle shares her experiences and learnings of being on both sides of the tech industry as an insider as well as an outsider. She also shares her thoughts on crucial topics like accelerating inclusion and diversity goals in tech workplaces. So stay tuned. Hey Michelle, thank you for doing this. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Cool. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I have known you since the Amazon days and have been recently following your great initiative with your coaching practice which aims at uh, helping ambitious women of color to pivot into big tech. That's that's really good. Yeah, thank you. Yes, that's my journey. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I think it'll be a very interesting conversation and why don't we start with your journey first like starting as a first generation immigrant having a non traditional non tech background but finding your way into big tech with one of the biggest technology players in the industry that is Amazon and then not only that a uh, couple of years later switching gears completely to start the tech career lab which is your coaching practice with the sole aim of you know helping others realize this goal for themselves like how was how was this journey like Yes, so it sounds like a different definitely like a crazy journey. And so for me, um so for those obviously people here and don't know where I'm from, so I'm originally from Mexico and so I migrated from Mexico to the US when I was 19 years old. And the main reason for that is because I didn't get into my medical school of choice. So that was kind of something that had me down for a really long time because I thought that I was not good enough and so I was like you know i already have like a us citizenship even though i grew, i was brought up in mexico so i was like okay i'm just going to go to the us and see what's good in school um in the school area of in, in the school part of things and mm-hmm. so i decided to go into the university of washington and that is in seattle and so my first kind of like idea was okay like picking a career course and for me that was um international studies so i wanted to maybe become a diplomat on the road or something like that it sounded cool like you could travel all the time and yeah. uh so i ended up doing international studies and upon graduation i actually realized that i had gone to an event that was like uh meeting other diplomats and they were usually you know like white older guys and so i was like well i feel that this is not going to be a culture fit for me and then um so i just decided to kind of like switch gears after i had just graduated so i decided to start looking in in the seattle area to see what was good i saw a lot of companies up and coming i saw i remember seeing zillow a lot um and also amazon so amazon was coming up and I started kind of like obviously becoming really obsessed with the job postings that they had and I was like oh man like I I know that I can do this with my language skills or I know that I can do that with any other of my other skills and so I started then into my journey which is kind of like the second part of that journey of transitioning into tech leveraging that social background the social science background 
and leveraging also my retail and customer service um, background as well. So I did that and two years later, I was able to make the transition happen. And I ended up staying at Amazon for a little over five years in a bunch of different teams. In the ones that um, I started as a risk investigator, then in the one that I met you when I was in workflow in workforce management, yeah. and then um, and then I ended up becoming a program manager for AWS, which I would say that it was my dream job. And I had, and that's all, <laughs> that's usually why I say that I I quit my dream job to help other women get into the technology field. And that is what I did last year. So last year I quit Amazon and I decided to launch my own venture to help women professionals kind of just pivot their careers into technology. Yeah. Okay, wow, that's a, that's a great story. Um, cool, so let's keep the focus on your journey for now. I'm, I'm like really very curious to know, um, like, so you had your dream job and then you later pivoted into you know helping others to get achieve that so what was this transition like like was coaching something that you always thought you wanted to do or was it a sudden aha moment where you realized that you know this is my purpose and i should focus now on helping others to achieve the dream yes yes absolutely so I feel so I started kind of I started what I have now, which is the tech career lab I started it when I was at Amazon so I started maybe like in the past two years or something. And I started as my side hustle so my main focus was at the beginning just helping women with their LinkedIn their resume so just kind of like the normal job search things. And, um, and yeah and then I happened to get into my my dream job and something that I realized is that. I continuously, even though I was enjoying my work at Amazon a lot, I found my I found myself daydreaming a lot about the potential impact that I could have if I went full time with my coaching business or with any business. At this point, I was just calling it online business because I didn't know if it was going to become a coaching business. Um, and then I, as I kind of continued that part of helping women with a job search and stuff like that, I decided to start kind of getting a coach on my own. I hadn't worked with a coach before. And so for me, doing something new and different for me was like, okay, like it took me two years to get into tech because I was also without a coach. So maybe this time when I'm launching a business, I can have someone who has done the same thing. And they can help me accelerate that process a lot more. So I ended up working with this coach and then I realized so I went into this coaching relationship thinking that she was going to tell me, okay, like write posts like this or do this on LinkedIn or, you know, attract customers this way and so on. But actually it was just more about having a conversation kind of like what we're having now. And she's asking me a lot of probing questions, a lot of smart questions to get to the bottom of why I am taking X or Y action in my, in my business. In this case, I do have the same conversations with women. And in terms of like having those conversations to see, okay, like what is working, what is not working and becoming a little bit more strategic behind it, along with diminishing those limiting beliefs. But anyways, when, um, when I started working through my own limiting beliefs with this coach that I told you about, it is when I realized the power of coaching. So it was when I decided, okay, like, I think I can definitely go full-time on this. So on um, 2020, is uh, it was when I decided to quit my job and just got kind of go all, all in full-time, having this aha moment of there's a need for this. A lot of women want to get into technology and the coaching is the most holistic part of like the things that I could create to help women. Wow, that's incredible. I think 
very few lucky ones can like are privileged enough to you know um realize their purpose and then actually uh quit their jobs to you know follow that and i think you're one of them so that's great that's incredible um cool so moving ahead um i can only imagine you know with with your with your practice you're like constantly engaging with you know very bright individuals from different backgrounds cultures geographies etc right and i i really wanted to ask you that personally what have been your three biggest learnings so far while working with them yeah absolutely and yeah i agree with you that i think some of the amazing things about being a coach is that yeah you tend to attract people who want to invest in their careers the you know like the the time and resources to actually level up in their careers so yeah i end up meeting women who maybe worked for like really big banks in new york like people who come maybe are first generation like me latinas even people who are you know now maybe originally from other countries but now they're based out of the us and so on so it's really amazing mm -hmm. to meet women like that and i guess in my one year and a half that i've been doing this i've noticed that there are a few major learnings that i've had and definitely the first one is that i think as as women especially women of color i think we are often told what to do by people who haven't done what we want to do so it's usually people telling us or giving us advice or even telling us that we cannot do something right like telling us oh like you probably cannot get into tech or something or you cannot launch a business and it's usually people who haven't worked in tech and people who haven't launched the business so it's usually us constantly having to battle that so i saw that that is something that i definitely see a lot in common in between you know like among all the women that i work with um the second thing that i would say is that definitely we have more experience than we think so i think also that is a maybe a woman thing or maybe that is just like an immigrant thing where you try to downplay certain things and you're mm -hmm. like well i don't have enough experience i don't have enough certifications or so on and so then we start buying into this kind of um, story that we are not worthy of you know even attempting to do one of our goals because we yeah. don't, we don't have enough of things so some of the things that I noticed is like, for example, that like, I have a lot of clients who maybe worked in New York. Like I said, like I have, the, I had this one client who worked in like really big banks as an analyst, like for several years, like she literally had more experience than me before I got into tech. And she had this belief that she didn't have enough experience for her to work in tech. And so those are some of the things that we work on together, but she's not the only one to have this. Like a lot of women, high achieving women have this belief. And so that is something, another trend, that is another trend that I keep seeing around. And, um, and then the third thing is that I feel that sometimes also making rejection personal is not the best strategy to go about it. So I think making rejection to just be, you know, like it's not personal, it's strategy. I always say that. So it's it's not like they don't like you personally or that, that they are like looking down on you. It's all about knowing that you need, all you need is a better strategy. Like this is not working. So let's, let's move into something that will work. And so that is usually something, another thing that I see a lot with my clients or like even the people that I talked to before they decide to become a client is just that they have this idea that rejection means that they don't belong in tech. And, yeah. um, that is definitely also a wrong one and it's just a matter of changing the strategy yeah 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 no that those are those are really good examples and i really uh echo your your first one which you said that um 
I think the 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 majority advices that we get are from people who have never been in your shoes, and I have this fundamental belief that if if you haven't like if you haven't gone through those experiences, I don't think you're you should advise someone on on things. So because you know you you had the same background and you had those same experiences, which probably a lot of other women would go through. Um, being an immigrant or being not being with uh, ha- like have a technical background so i think now when you advise them you have a lot more uh, what do you say background experience going uh, going through that really helps them a lot with, with with an effective outcome in the end right so i think i think that's great um so uh, moving ahead I really want to know, like, what does your coaching process look like, like when you're working with clients? Can you give a brief overview of that? Yes, yes, of course. So, um, so in general, my programs tend to be 50-50. That's what I like to call them. So it's like 50, the consulting part of things, which is I help them obviously, like, reframe their experience, work through LinkedIn and stuff like that. And then the other 50% is a little bit more, the tech mindset. So I like calling it a tech mindset because I think definitely you need to adopt a different mindset before you are able to get into that um, tech career and you have, and you have to adopt it before you do that. So, but in general, I would say that my process kind of like on a weekly basis with them, maybe like meeting um, every time that we meet and so on. I think my process is kind of the same. And the first one it's kind of like a three-step type of thing where the first step is obviously taking inventory of either what they're doing, what's working, or what they have been trying for the past several months, or what are some of the things like just take inventory of the actions um, that we that they have taken. And also it can be an inventory of their own experiences. So like just taking an inventory of what those those most valuable or most marketable experiences that, that they have. And then the second thing is working through an approach of um, the limiting beliefs part of things. So let's say that um, a quick example for this one is, for example, when people just want to send a resume when they don't want to use LinkedIn. And so for me, it's kind of getting into the into kind of like the 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 reasoning for that. And so for me, it's like asking a lot of probing questions. So it's a lot of asking questions and for them to be able to come up with the answer and not because like as a coach, I don't have the answer, but it's important to know and to really dig, um, dig deep into what are some of the things that are going on as to why they don't want to do LinkedIn, for example. And so many times, for example, like some of the things that would come up would be, well, I feel like I don't have anything to say. So going back to those limiting beliefs that I mentioned before, right? Um, and then we ha- we would have to coach through those to asking a little bit more questions. Like, is that true? Like, is that actually true? Like, you don't have anything to say. And then we would get kind of like to the bottom of that. So a lot of working through the limiting beliefs and the coaching process of asking a lot of probing questions. And then the third is then strategizing based on whatever we have decided after that conversation. So either deciding to move forward with the resume or to move forward with the LinkedIn or to whatever decision we're trying to make. The third step would be definitely strategizing in a, in a way that feels good to them and that they are actually happy to be taking the action to start building that momentum in their job search. Oh, okay, perfect. That's, that's a very comprehensive uh, process. Thanks for explaining that. Um, just just to follow up like um 
so for people like with uh, with your practice and and your experience within this although it has been approximately a year um like how frequent do you see uh like women uh, transitioning from a non tech background to a tech background like a lot of people because i also talk to a few peers and uh, a few folks who who are just on the verge of starting their careers and there's a, a disproportionate belief that you know it's very hard to transition from non tech to tech and especially for you know the hardcore technical companies but in your experience how does uh, your data suggest like is it is it really possible is it very hard or with with the correct strategies you can definitely get to it yeah so i've worked with women who both want to get either let's say that they are high achieving in non technical fields and they decided mm-hmm. to take some sort of like certification so they take the certification okay. hoping that they will it's a, usually a technical certification so maybe they went to a bootcamp for to learn how to code and stuff like that and then that's how they want to get into tech and then the second route is when they are trying to just leverage what they have so they can get a non technical job in their um in tech so is those two and i've worked with both and i think definitely both have the same issues so i think both definitely feel that for example i think when women go into like the idea of like okay i'm going to get a bootcamp and now after that i'm going to feel so experienced that i will get into tech what happens next is that they start trying and again rejection might be happening because that's completely normal um the bar is really high in technology so um so then now they start making it about like oh maybe i need more certifications or i need more of this and that so um i've seen women to be able to do it and usually women who had been able to do it that i've worked with are women who put in the work so besides what was asked of them like in terms of like the bootcamp they created their own projects if they already had a job a non technical job they created their their own technical projects in their past job and so and the third thing that i saw in common also as well is that um they also put themselves out there a lot so they share their technical expertise a little bit more with the world in terms of linkedin like maybe they share a little bit more of the things that they know how to do and so it's definitely possible possible to make the transition and what i definitely recommend for for people who are trying to make the transition is that decide whether or not they want to be technical in tech because the two options are open like you can definitely go the bootcamp side where you learn how to code or you become technical and then you still have to leverage your old experience or you just leverage your experience and you land a program manager role or any role that doesn't require um coding skills so it's just one of those two and understanding that it's possible both ways because another thing that i see is that a lot of people and i also actually went through this myself when i was trying to get into tech i thought i needed to be technical to get into technology and so i started taking a bunch of classes online not really like really aimlessly and trying to see okay like well like this is the only way to get into tech but actually i ended up just leveraging what i already had to be able to get into technology and ending up at a role that someone who i don't know like maybe was already technical could have ended up in um so definitely knowing that those two options are there and that both options are definitely possible is just a matter of on both putting in the work and kind of like sharing their expertise with the world yeah yeah i think i think that's a great uh those are really great tri- tips and i just want to echo what you said again so 
like there are a lot of non-technical roles within big tech companies right like really a lot of non-technical roles yeah. so roles like a uh, program manager which you had at amazon and probably account management and even even product management doesn't really require you to code on a daily basis right so you just have to have that fundamental knowledge of how programming works and then you more uh, you know you have a strategic mind to to understand what the customer needs are and what the product needs are and you can get into those roles as well which really don't require you to do hardcore coding on a daily basis so i think that's yeah. a great tip for for those who are trying to venture into the world of tech and are not uh, from a technical background great great yeah absolutely and actually just a quick example like i i also met someone who actually used to do uh sales so she used to do okay. sales in like the big boats like the cruise ships i guess and that's all she did like she had several years of experience on that and very recently she transitioned into aws as a lead generation um, manager so mm -hmm. that is kind of like how it goes to show that your experience is worth a lot and you can do the same things that you were doing in a cruise ship that you can be doing in aws yeah oh wow that's that's a great transition <laughs> yeah cool yeah the possible possibilities are endless and probably you will have to if you're from non-tech background you have to put in more hours more work more efforts but then there's there's always a, always a possibility that you'll get what you're uh, achieving right yeah totally <clears throat> Cool. So uh, now let's transition. Now, now this is probably the most uh, favorite and important part for the podcast. I really, when I was <clears throat> thinking about the questions, I I really wanted to put in these because I think, according to me, like these are really important, and I really wanted to ask you because you you know you are in in this field and you are talking to a lot of people uh, every now and then. So. Um, yeah. So being a tech person, you know, who has seen the industry from the both sides, like you were at Amazon as an employee and then you're out of Amazon working on your own and helping others to achieve that goal. So um, where do you feel the biggest disconnect is, especially when you when we think about making big tech workforce more diverse um, and following that up, like when you're working with clients, how do you try to bridge that gap with your coaching yes absolutely yeah i i've been thinking about this one a lot because obviously the the talk about diversity and inclusion in tech is becoming really really big right now um yeah. or i don't know if it's just the algorithm feeding me that but i think definitely i've seen it pop up a lot more now and um i think one of the major things that i keep thinking about is that there's this belief that there's not enough talent out there so the from the tech company so and this is actually from the both sides so from the tech company side i feel that there's this belief at least from me talking to some of the hr people when i was in there when i used to uh maybe like do some like impromptu interviews for for my teams and stuff like that some of the kind of like recurring ideas is that there's not enough talent out there for them to get into this role even though there's millions of people applying or like thousands probably there's this idea that these are either not qualified or this idea like there's some gap there. And then from the other side, now that I've talked a lot more to people who want to get into the field, they also have this idea that they don't have enough talent to get into tech. So they, so is this kind of like, like story that everyone is kind of like feeding each other. Um, but I think definitely the main idea for me is 
to let you know like the big tech companies know that there's definitely the talent and i'm not sure i'm sure that we'll talk a little bit more about that in in a few minutes um and then from the other side of the people who want to get into the technology field also knowing that they already have what it takes to get in there and that's how i incorporate that into my own coaching so when people most of the, most of the times that they feel that because technology is a whole different field that they were before, let's say that they were in backing before or they were in logistics before, they feel that they have to do some, they have to become some super, superhuman to go into the technology field. But the reality is that they already have enough talent, they already have what it takes. And the easiest way to put this is like if you have solved problems. For somebody else outside of technology, you can probably solve problems for tech. And ultimately, that's why tech is hiring. Like they are trying to solve a problem. They're either growing too fast. They have a product that they need more hands on. They need someone who is ready to come and solve problems and hit the ground running. So the most experience that you have solving problems outside of technology, the best way that you're going to be able to do that in tech. And so that is kind of how I incorporate that in my coaching and just making that um, link there between the experience and the problem solving and how technology is no different than that. Wow. Yeah, that's that that's great. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like inclusion and diversity has been taking a lot of um, um, attention recently, and especially for big tech, it has been a good good talking point. And I'm 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 really happy that you know slowly we are starting to feel that change uh, coming along the industry um, and that's very progressive um, my kind of eye-opening moment with 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 the situation in the industry was when i read this book by uh, Sheryl Sandberg called lean in if you mm. have read it or not and i was uh, like it was really eye-opening for me like how what current state is is the industry in and i'm i'm really really happy that you know it is becoming the main focus point of a lot of organizations recently um and i'll think i think with that um attitude and and progressive attitude in mind i think we'll be we'll make leaps of differences in the next few years so and with people like you you know working with with that that specific goal i think you're just uh, helping the whole industry to shape up um, and progress forward. So that's that's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, going ahead. Um, yeah, one of my favorite questions uh, for for the for the podcast. Um, so let's say you know a CEO of a big tech company consults you on how to accelerate their company's inclusion and diversity goals. Um, so what what will be your suggestions to them? Yeah, um, I feel there's many ways for them to do this, but I think the main one that comes to mind as you ask that is working on partnerships with either nonprofits or companies already with that um, pool of talent. So what something that I've noticed is that there is this exponential growth in like companies like, I don't know, like General Assembly, um, ADA, which is like a, a coding school based in Seattle. There's a lot of different like coding schools, right? There's also a lot of like, like you were taking this online. So it's a lot of these different companies and also nonprofits that I don't, I don't know at the top of my head, but these are um, companies that are already 
working on the learning part of things. So they are teaching people the skills that are needed in technology. And so that is something that I feel maybe five years ago, it was barely starting or was probably non-existent at all. And now as we are advancing and progressing, like those are definitely coming up a lot more. So going back to this idea that I was mentioning before, which was the belief that there isn't enough talent, if big technology companies can start switching or just technology companies in general can start, can start switching from hiring through the normal route of like, Ivy League schools, for example, which is something that they do. Ivy League yeah. schools historically tend to be places that are not that diverse. People yeah. tend to look the same, especially, yeah, you know, like that is how it just it works in the Ivy League space because that is something that is broken on their side as well, not diverse enough. And so if companies continue to just hire people out of those schools, well, guess what happens? Ivy, uh, tech companies are looking a whole lot like Ivy League schools. So I think something yeah. that I that I would recommend if someone came to me for advice would be starting to do partnerships that are aligning with their future goals. I feel that now technology companies have that goal of hiring a lot more diverse. So now they have to switch as, again the strategy, like just versus just doing everything all from the schools. They can start doing more partnerships with places that are, help, are helping that diverse pool of applicants. And so I think by doing that, they will see that this belief of that there's not enough talent out there is just false. They will start seeing that there actually there's a lot of good talent out there, and there's actually a lot of brown and black talent out there as well. And they're going to be able to see that a little bit more if they collaborate a lot more and create partnerships with these um, companies and initiatives that are already doing that. Yeah. 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 I think it it really makes sense. So if they can, you know, uh, seek alternate alternate uh, areas for seeking talent i think uh, i think that'll be that'll be a great step and i think i also sometimes think that you know having team wise goals like if you're a manager in a team uh, and you probably should have that goal in which let's say your team is comprising of 10 individuals uh, when you're out there hiring you should seek for more inclusion seek for you know having let's say a 50 50 male female ratio and then also having a diverse workforce within your team so if you if you start from the ground up i think um like a lot of uh, ceos and a lot of uh, leader, leadership folks out there are taking like top to bottom um approach in which you know first they'll make their board diverse and then they'll make their uh, second and third reportees di uh, teams diverse right so but if you take a ground up approach like smallest teams from the ground up when they're hiring, they they think about inclusion and diversity and having a more diverse teams. I think that'll be also a good good uh, ripple effect across across the whole organization. Yeah, I think so too. And you mentioned something important, which is, I mean, I just talked about the di hiring diverse, but there's the inclusion part. So yeah, something that I noticed, especially you know, being in the U.S., where I feel that we talk a little bit more about race and stuff in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Something that I realized, I think, definitely is that when you don't see someone who looks like you, at least for example, for me, as I was often the only Latina in a room or stuff like that, but even though I was lucky to be in teams that maybe were a little bit more diverse, you have a little bit more of that support, at least morally, or at least like of you being able to see the things that are possible for you there as a Latina, as a woman. Um, 
So I think definitely it, it's all about the, the retention part of things because also the numbers don't lie and they're showing that brown and black folks are leaving technology as, as easy, as fast and easy as they got in. So let's say that yeah. they make it in. And then after that, they're like, you know, like, I'm just going to leave because I feel that it's, it's not inclusive enough for me. And I think also, I think part of like just not hiring diverse is just working with the HR teams, like human resources, making it in a way that not only are they hiring people who are um, more diverse and also like they change their mentality about the lack of talent, but also when those people are in, not dismissing their claims. If there is any claims related to race or related to anything like that, not dismissing those and being someone who is a little bit more open to the possibility of this being true. Because I, I know definitely as a brown person and in general, like a lot of my friends who were brown or black in the industry, had a really hard time with HR. And I think that is because again, HR seldom looks like us. So yeah. we need, like you said, like that top from uh, top um, top to bottom approach where every every single part along the way the, is there is diverse because otherwise no one is gonna be able to relate to our stories or the things that we're bringing also to the table. So I think that's also something important to just note. Yeah, no, that those are very valid points and yeah. Hopefully, I think in, in a few years with all the efforts in place, we'll, we'll go through that and we'll see, um, you know, a really diverse population of, of workforce in, in all levels, all departments. I think that's the end goal. So, yeah, that's I hope we'll achieve that very soon. Yeah. Cool. So <laughs> this brings us to uh, probably the last uh, topic related question. Um, I really love this question and I ask most of my guests. It's kind of a flashback questions where you have to think a lot <laughs> about uh, about your past and everything else. So cool. Let's go uh, back a couple of years to the time when you just graduated out of university and like you you wanted you had your mind into tech and like you had a different story where you wanted to do something, but then you later pivoted into tech. But yeah. Um, so based on your learnings and experiences that you have now with your with your journey, like what would be your most important advice to your younger self? Uh, I think I had, I was turning in between a few ones, but I think definitely the ones that resonates the most with me right now is embracing the journey. I feel as immigrants, I mean, I feel for me, especially as an immigrant, I'm very future focused where I feel that I forget to enjoy where I'm going through now. So for me, that's what happened when I pivoted every single time. So when I moved to the US, I feel that I didn't really enjoy those first few years because I was so focused on getting my degree. And then I got my degree and then I went into another kind of like two year period where I was like looking forward to getting into that tech job. So it's almost as like, I blanked out instead of me really being really present in the journey and enjoying it, enjoying the failures and stuff like that. So I think for me, I definitely sped through this, um, through this process. So I didn't have the time to like really embrace it and enjoy it. And so that is something that I feel I do more now. And I wish that I had done that a little bit more when, when, I, when I recently moved to the US, when I recently got into college, when I graduated from college, I feel that I never sat down and actually like embraced all the things that were going down. Um, and I think that is also an important part of you know making you who you are. So I feel that that is an advice that I would give my 
my uh, fresh off the boat self, uh, I would be like, just embrace the journey. It's about to get crazy and just embrace the journey and be kind to yourself all throughout. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice because, uh, yeah, at, at that point of time in, in, in your life, like you're racing towards a lot of things. A lot of things are happening with university and then with a job and anything else. But we tend to forget to spend some time with, with ourselves just to think about, you know, uh, what's happening around. And yeah, just like to embrace and appreciate like everything that we have and uh, focus to, towards the future. So, yeah, like being more self uh being more present i think i think yeah. that's that's the um learning from that no that's that's yeah. great cool so i have a couple of off topic questions prepared for you i i really wanted to ask you um so what is your all time favorite movie or probably a netflix or an amazon prime show yeah oh my god I feel that I have too many but one that I enjoyed the most and I think they didn't continue it was one called um Mindhunter so it was oh. I don't know if you watched that was on Netflix and it was I guess this guy who was kind of like a psychologist or something that worked mm -hmm. with the like psychopaths who have killed people and like he was writing a book and stuff like that so I think kind of like the what I really liked about that is just like obviously how they filmed it but also like the story of things I think it was based also on true events or something like that but I really enjoyed that one and I really like true crime in general <laughs> oh that's nice so the crime yeah. part of crime mysteries are your uh, kind of favorite genres right yeah even uh, in podcast it is <laughs> <laughs> oh nice yeah. nice cool um cool I haven't watched that one but I'll definitely uh watch it sometime when I get with some free time yeah that those are yeah, good suggestions it's really good yeah cool um so you are currently based in Paris right mm -hmm. and so you have like spent significant amount of time in like arguably two of the top cities in the world so Seattle uh with Amazon and then now currently in Paris yeah. I'm very curious to know like what is something that only Seattle has or only Seattle can offer but you kind of miss that out in Paris and what is something that you know Paris has and like Seattle doesn't yeah oh my god yes so it's really weird to feel like I don't know like I feel for me like many times I see myself uh, obviously as a Mexican but I spend a significant amount of my life outside of Mexico so I feel that I love that you asked me just about Seattle because I feel Seattle feels home to me now so right okay. now for example when I think of vacation I think I'm gonna go see I'm gonna go see my family and, and friends in Seattle um, and something that I feel that I it's only applicable to Seattle and it's something that I miss here because it's almost non-existent is the fact that nature is really close. So okay. you can literally just be, if you live in like in downtown Seattle, like I used to do at some point, like you can literally just head onto the water, get a ferry and then just, you know, go on the other side and be close to the ocean or something. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of mountains as well. So that is something that I definitely miss and is very particular to Seattle just because of its location. And then um, in terms of Paris, I have to say that Paris is really beautiful. So uh, I think people obviously say that in movies and stuff like that. And obviously it's kind of cliche, but it's a very beautiful city. Like just walking around the streets and stuff like that is something that 
I feel you cannot do in Seattle. Like Seattle is beautiful because it has like the really new buildings. You see the mountains, maybe you see like Mount Rainier some days when you're lucky. But um, but Paris is a really beautiful city. So like really beautiful architecture. Um, just I can walk for hours. Sometimes I walk for like one, two hours at a time. And that is something that I didn't do um, in the US in general, just because people I think walk a lot less as well. And it's just very beautiful mm. here to be able to walk. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I have always believed that if you're if you're living in Paris, I think it's it's just like you know living in a movie. Like it's uh, it's just like you know there's this uh, constant feeling of like you're actually in a movie that you used to watch when you were younger, right? So yes. that's that's really beautiful. <laughs> but yes, Seattle has its fair share of nature with this. Uh, it has great place to hikes and and everything else. So. So that that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Cool. So that that brings us to the end of the show. Um, it was a really nice talking to you, and it was great to hear your story from you know leaving your dream job to do to like follow your passion and do some meaningful and purpose driven work. I think that was really motivating for me, and I think it'll be for the for the audience as well. You're doing like a phenomenal job with uh, helping women. Um, to get into tech so i think that's great best of luck for that in the future and i think you'll do amazing work in the future as well um just before we close this i want to ask like so what like what's coming ahead uh with with your coaching practice like what's next and then how can like people find you uh, if they want to contact you yeah yeah i always like to say that i am on a mission to help you know, at least a hundred women this year, obviously I work with women one-on-one, so that's kind of hard, but yeah. um, I'm just constantly, you know, trying to work with those women who are doing amazing work in other industries who want to get into the technology field, leveraging those skills. So I think for the next foreseeable future, that is still kind of my goal. Um, I'm kind of also moving a little bit more into the diversity and inclusion consulting part of things. So working with tech companies to hire diverse and retain the diverse talent as well. So that is something that I'm kind of going into a little bit more now and expanding into that Um, in the US and also in France where I'm seeing a lot more potential for that. And, um, And yeah, absolutely. So I'll continue with that mission and where people can find me is mostly on my LinkedIn. I'm always hanging out in there. Um, and my name is Michelle Carrizosa. So just putting that in the search bar is going to get you there just because I'm probably the only person with that last name. Um, yeah. And then my my website is michellecarrizosa.com. So there you can hear a little bit more about my story. You can see all, all of the other things that I've done, some testimonials and a lot more on there. So yeah. Okay, perfect. Cool. Thanks a lot, Michelle. I'll put all these links in the show notes below so that people can refer to that. Great. It was nice talking to you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was Michelle Carrizosa from the Tech Career Lab. You can reach out to her via LinkedIn just by searching for her full name. A link to her LinkedIn profile is also copied in the show notes for reference. Until next time, peace. Peace.